0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills from Afar podcast. You're with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really excited about this
1: guest. Um, we've got Ryan Sullivan joining us from uh, from Cover One. Uh, Ryan, and actually, Ryan and I actually met in um, the Logan Airport in Boston, the... Uh, night before the uh thanksgiving game last year um we were both on the same flight to to new orleans and we chatted for like an hour just talking bills and and other stuff and it was great to get to know him and yeah delighted to have him on the show and to talk a little bit more about what we're going to expect to see out of this bills team
0: going into 2022 yeah, that's it, and uh, that's what we're talking about. It's more about you know scheme specific stuff about u- utilisation of certain players that have joined the, the, the Bills. So, um, we just get into a weeds about that really, and talk to X's and O's. So it's really good to have him on, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a, a good interview. So yeah, thanks for joining uh, Bills from afar again. We're joined by Ryan Sullivan.
1: Um, you may know him from Twitter as Sports Rock. Dash, cover one. Um, Yeah, welcome, Ryan. Great to have you on the show.
2: Hey, guys. It's awesome to be here, Charlie. I know we met in the airport one time and we, uh, we did a great conversation right on the on the way to while uh, the new orleans game it's the awesome right. to, to get to do this with you guys
1: i think we chatted for like an hour right just just yeah. talking bills and, and whatever and uh you know in, in logan airport it was kind of kind of cool because i love walking
0: through logan airport like with bills gear on you know just to piss people
1: off
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so is that how you guys was it the bills gear that set the conversation or did you know ryan already from twitter Charlie, so and you prompted no chat? i
1: I didn't, but I th- I think I saw because Ryan, you're in Connecticut, right? And I think yeah. I saw you say something like I'm I'm going to Boston for it. the flight, and I realized there's only one like, one flight yeah. from, from Boston to to New Orleans. So I then I think I pinged you and something like Hey, yeah. I'm passing through I, or something. Yeah,
2: I think we DM. I think we DM beforehand because right, we, right, because uh, yeah, because I think that was because my, my fiance booked that flight. That was the only flight we could get that day. That's of, right uh, out of Boston
1: unfortunately that flight gave me covid which i was not happy about but that got, you got COVID on that one? Oh, yeah not? i did yeah yeah it wasn't oh. great it didn't kick in so a few days later so thanks for that God, i'd still enjoy the you, game and everything but oh my god you two
0: weren't close on the plane then you know it wasn't i guess like, not uh... i guess not
1: <laughs> it was either the plane or bourbon street one or the other yeah.
2: <laughs> well bourbon street's also a very good guess yeah yeah
1: exactly exactly so, so tell us ryan i mean you you grew up in uh, in rochester west new york and I mean, how do you become a, you know, I guess Bill's is in the blood there, but now you're in Connecticut. How did, how did that go, come about?
2: I mean, I, I'm, I, I consider myself like, you know, a training camp kid. I came to, you know, I'm basically my whole life Rochester and my dad had summers off growing up. So like going to Bill's camp ever since I was young, was just always kind of the thing I did. And that was kind of how I got into it. Even before I was really like a super football conscious person, right. just going there during you know, the Kelly Holcomb days, the JP Losman days. And then when I was in seventh or eighth grade, my parents got season tickets. Um, and my first game ever that I went to was the Willis McGahee game, which was mm-hmm. the, the, he came back, Willis McGahee came back, and it was after he had said a whole bunch, I forgot what he said, but he had said a bunch of stuff mean about Buffalo. And I did, I did not grow up in a house that, like, cursed. Very Catholic household. The no one right. was cursed. And I go to this Bills game, and there's shirts that say F, Willis McGahee on on (laughs) t-shirts that people are wearing and I'm like oh my god and like it was always like it was the coolest experience and that's kind of when I kind of sold myself to uh Bill's Mafia and being a Bill's fan even though he wasn't technically wasn't called that at the time but you know that's what I kind of sold myself and ever since then you know kind of the the the, where I really kind of became football conscious remember players is kind of that J.P. Lawson that Trent Edwards transition time right right so I kind of, that's what I kind of consider my start, but yeah, just kind of growing up, going to training camp all the time. And
1: was, was that at uh, John Fisher then?
2: Yep. John okay. Fisher.
1: Right, right, right. Cool. It's funny. You say that about the, the, the cursing, swearing and, I remember going to uh, my first uh, soccer game at age, I don't know, seven or eight, and my mom saying to me, "Look, you're going to hear every word. Similar, you know, religious household. <laughs> nobody ever swore. You're going to hear every word. I don't care what you say at the, at the football game, but just do not say it in the house." And I was like, up. "You know, if you say in the house, you're not going again, right? It's, it's your choice." <laughs> I thought, "Yeah, fair enough. That's actually pretty, pretty decent parenting. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that." But it's weird, isn't it, when you're never, not used to being surrounded by, and suddenly yes. everyone's swearing their heads off yes. at every possible moment? It's pretty crazy as a, as a young child. <laughs>
2: It was, it was it was incredible. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, do you, um, so you're in Connecticut now. I mean, is there much of a bill scene? I mean, you're in, you're in Patriots territory there, really, aren't you? I mean, is there a backers so, bar
2: or anything you can go to? So I'm not a big sports at a bar guy if I care about the game. Right. Like, I just, you know, I like, if I'm not at the game, I'd much rather be on my couch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether with, with people or without people, it doesn't really matter. But I don't, I'm not a big bar guy. So right. when I moved here, I found out, um, because we, we're not in a place where we can get direct TV, but we found out if you have an active college email, active university email, you can get Sunday ticket. I don't know if it works the same way in the UK, but you can pretty get similar. Sunday yeah, ticket pretty similar. Yeah. for a hundred, 150 bucks. So I had a friend in grad school at the time when we moved, who was in college and didn't really need Sunday ticket. He gave me his email and he's out of college, but it still works. So for two years now, I've been I've had a uh, Sunday ticket, <laughs> which is awesome. Cause I really enjoy, yeah. uh, I enjoy red zone too. And the yeah. thing I enjoy now that the Bills play so many primetime games is I enjoy yeah. watching the windows that the Bills don't play in. So I can just like sit there with red zone or flip through games. So it's, it was kind of a happy, you know, one of the nice side effects, but you know, this not a ton of Bills fans. You'll go to the grocery store. I always go to my, my Sunday routine is always, I watch the Bills game with the one o'clock game and then I go grocery shopping and I always seem to run into one Bills fan when I'm yeah. going grocery shopping. Ideally after so, a win. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Ideally. Well, that's the only time I'm wearing it. But if right. the Bills win, I'll go grocery shopping in my jersey. If not, I take yeah. it off and kind of <laughs> just sulk my way around.
1: Wise move. Wise move. So how do you get into Bills media and writing and you know broadcasting about the Bills?
2: So I got, you know, I, I start I kind of got into the, you know, it's, the cover one was kind of my introduction to builds media outside of what I see in the local news at night and what I see in the newspaper. And that was kind of just what I thought media was. And then, um, you know, around 2018 is when I kind of listened to Buffalo Rambling stuff, cover one stuff, and I saw this whole other world to it. And I, you know, I thought that, you know, hey, maybe this, uh, you know, I started reading some more, you know, different websites and thought it was something, hey, maybe something I could do if I ever had time. Pandemic hit in 27 to twenty. 20 excuse me 2020 and i did but you know i have a really supportive fiance i told this idea she told me i should do it so i spent something that's kind of where sports rock it was kind of supposed to be an all-encompassing blog, but i realized i'm probably only really capable of writing about football (laughs) yeah (laughs) um always have a care enough to write about football so that's kind of how sports rock came about and then i spent some time over fanatics got up, got out of that and then cover one messaged me a couple months ago and you know they really were the people that got me interested in this side of stuff and so that's and it's a hobby that just kind of grew into
1: the work come on do is just incredible i mean i think we're so privileged as bills fans to have this 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 fan created media quality of it is astonishing i couldn't believe it you know just how many how much stuff is written about the bills and how many podcasts come out every day you know during the off season which is pretty lengthy people come up with all kinds of stuff to talk about and it's phenomenal. And it certainly for us as bills fans from, from some distance away, um, you know, this is really added a lot of value I think Tim and I's experience of being yeah. Bills fans is actually, because when I was growing up, we had like, I might see three or four bills games a year when they happened to be on, you know, the game that was being shown at our time, 6 PM on a Sunday. Um, and that's how I kind of got into them and, and obviously the Super Bowl run. But now we, we have, um, we have game pass, which is the equivalent of Sunday ticket and, and we can watch every game and uh, you know, and every time in the night, and the NFL actually have a like a regular satellite channel here now, which is what twenty four seven NFL coverage. Oh, really so we cool. we get a huge amount of content, and we're we're now in a situation where we even have like a couple of bills back as uh, pubs here in the, in in London and Manchester um, as as things start to expand. which is which is great, but you know the real trigger is the amount of fantastic media you can read, and not just you know whatever the. You yeah, know, the national publications pump out, which is phenomenal.
0: And I think with Cover One, it's kind of got that nice, like, medium of, you know, not being, you know, working for the Buffalo Bills, you know, you're not beat writers or anything like that, you're not closely connected to media or the Bills itself. Um, so you're kind of fans, but you've got the like broader um, spectrum of, you know your knowledge and all that kind of thing. I feel like it's quite a nice medium and yeah, certainly as us fans in the UK um, we connect to it really well and yeah. we crave any content, don't we Charlie, uh, we about do. Bills. So. We do.
1: And this is one of the reasons we wanted to have you on really uh, Ryan is because you know we've had some pretty interesting moves during this offseason, the draft and, and free agency um, and we think, you know, we can see that this is probably going to change the way in which the Bills play. We obviously got a new offensive coordinator as well and we thought, you know, let's get somebody who really knows their stuff on to talk a little bit about what you might expect yeah. to uh to see in this 2022
0: 20, uh, season so so i was just going to ask then so just going into that so we've obviously gone through the off season now when we're looking at uh the first week uh, of training camp we've gone through that now we've got pads on um just really what are you expecting um from the Bills or how we're going to change from a scheme perspective in 22. Like on defence, I know that the, you know, the coaching staff, that's pretty much all intact. Um, And we've only really made upgrades. We've not really seen any significant losses. I was just going to ask, like, what do you see in terms of um, any differences in scheme? I was thinking maybe Kair Elam's ability, his physical upside and his traits, you know, could that lean for us to play more man coverage? Or uh, do you have any ideas in terms of how the defence might play uh, this season.
2: Well, I, I think you're going to see a lot more inside the ball, more versatility. I think the ability to put out more front in the last couple of years, you've really just been able to roll out there with nickel packages, right? And Teron Johnson, small, but a great tackler. But if you're putting AJ Klein out there, if you've been putting, in you know, maybe some other case trail dots or whatever they've gone into, you're not really getting any sort of coverage You're really just kind of point towards the ball, go get the ball linebackers. And now, you know, you have a situation where, you know, I I know these are in the notes for later, but you get, you bring in a guy like Terrell Bernard, who, you know, can count kind of well to Matt Milano and you can come out there and put a linebacker out on the field who can tackle like a linebacker, play the run like a linebacker, but also add coverage that you just didn't have with AJ Klein last year we saw it and you know his first year whenever they tried to put him in coverage it was horrific you know his Ray Klein's first four or five games as the bill were probably scary one of some of the were yeah. sc- <laughs> yeah. scary he's the right yeah. way for it so yeah. you're gonna I think you're gonna see a lot more versatility just with the stuff they're able to put out on defense And the same thing on offense right you, you just kind of if you just kind of go through some of the team leaves of the offseason they try to get J.K. McKissick who Really, at this point, is just a wide receiver out of the backfield. They end up signing Duke Johnson, who, you know, last couple of years hasn't been great, but over his first four or five years was one of the top four or five receiving running backs in football. And then you get James Cook, a guy who really coming out, his thing coming out was being a pass catching running back. So, I mean, you just start there. The last, you know, under Brian Dable, as great as he was, didn't involve the running backs in the passing game all that much. And when he tried to, it, it didn't always work out a ton, right? We, we always have that image of Devin Singletary in the 2020 AFC Championship game, dropping that, that swing pass that could have been a first down. So, you know, we now have people, guys who can do that more effectively and obviously an emphasis on that. So those are the two things that just looking at what we've seen this offseason that stick out to me.
0: Yeah, sure. And I was going to say, like, um, I think they've wanted that kind of running back, obviously, as well, uh, rumored and well documented that they would have um, drafted Travis Etienne um, back in 2021. It would have been now um, it back in that draft, and uh, obviously, I brought on James Cook. And I heard also that last season, um, Devin Singletary ran um, for fifth most like routes from the backfield of any running back in the NFL. But obviously, um, due to his lack of you know, nuance in receiving. Um, he didn't necessarily get those opportunities, but he still ran them routes. So clearly, um, he, James Cook's clearly an upgrade. So I think like that's going to be uh, that's going to give us another dimension. Then you think of OJ Howard as well. Like, do you see like twelve personnel or even maybe twenty-two personnel uh, could be run? Uh, with O.J. Howard. We've not really had that tight end to that experienced a more athletic tight end, and now we've got him. So um, do you think we could see more, some more 12 personnel as well?
2: I mean, absolutely do. I just really haven't had the ability to do that the last couple of years. Dawson Knox was great, but Tommy Sweeney doesn't offer you a ton in that respect.ive Reggie Gilliam, great, but not you know the flashiest player who's going to dictate the kind of defenses teams run. The Bills were 31st in you know, 12 personnel usage rate last year for a reason because they just didn't have that. So I think just by virtue of now having OJ Howard, who is, you know, an NFL quality tight end who can catch passes, who can do, who can do some different things that Tommy Sweeney couldn't, that Reggie Gilliam couldn't, I think it's going to allow them to do more things. And once again, force defenses, you know, I think they want, they don't want teams to always be able to come out and you know, put out these, these pass friendly defenses, right. Force them to bring a linebacker in for, we've seen how our slot receivers can attack linebackers. We've seen how Dawson Knox can attack linebackers. We've seen, you know, how Josh Allen can attack linebackers if he gets, you know, if he escapes. So I I think they absolutely want to try to force defenses into, you know, this, you know, not advantageous positions and force them to put out personnel. They may not want to put, yeah out so i think you know just by the fact they were 31st I, th- I think you were absolutely going to see a change in uh, a change in that
0: and that's what james cook is so key as well i think because he can do so many things he can line up out wide he can line up in the slot you know he is that threat in the backfield and also what i'm happy about is the reports in training camp is that you know he's shown that ability to you know run up the middle and you know wide zone rushing and that kind of thing so you don't really know um you know what the Bills are going to do necessarily. They can change for play um, at the line when they see if there's a light box and hey, you know, let's run it. You know, James Cook has got that ability as well to run it between the tackles. So no, he's absolutely going to be that Swiss Army knife in this offense.
1: Yeah, we, we were both really high on him in the draft and delighted that we we, we got him. And, um, yeah, I, I think it also all depends on this new offensive line. Um, you know, we remember last year, it took quite a long time for that offensive line to settle and for us to really sort of see, um, you know, as, as progress in the running game as what well, the last four or five games of the of the regular season before we saw Singletary really sort of carving teams up. And it really seems to be linked to having that settled offensive line and Ryan Bates coming in. You know, we've brought in Roger Stafford. Obviously, he's injured right now, hopefully for not too too long. We've got um, Spencer Brown, who's obviously raw, but, you know, very, very athletic. What do you what do you make what's your reading of this new offensive line? Are we going to expect a you know, more dynamic sort of more pin and pull stuff, more wide zone type stuff? How do you how do you interpret this offensive line? And and I wonder, is that athleticism going to come at the, the expense of pass protection? You know, I, I wonder whether, um, you know, we, we're gambling one one way too far. But, yeah, interesting your view.
2: I mean, you, you look at the pieces they are bringing back, right? Deion Dawkins last year was top 10 in just about every pass blocking metric you want to use. Mitch Morris, same thing, a guy who who's not going to let up too many pressures. You know, Saffold's a guy who wasn't as strong in it. Um, Ryan Bates, we saw how that offensive line changed with him last year. Obviously, you know, I I want to see if you work games out of him to see if he turns back into a pumpkin or whether he really is. Worth that for you, Daryl. And the the, the turnkey is Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown was a road, you know, by every run metric you want to use, was an absolute road grader last year in the run game. But like a lot of rookies do, struggle in pass protection. You know, I think that's really the turnkey guy on this line. If you know Aaron Cromer, who's an experienced, experienced offensive line coach, has been in Buffalo before, it's been a guy who's called plays, who under who's been in the NFL a long, long time, if he can get him in the classroom get him on tape get you know figure out what it was that went wrong in in pass protection last year. And keep in mind Spencer Brown wasn't a guy who like Josh Allen in college didn't play a lot of games at his position. He small school he played, right as well. Yeah. Small he played not. he played high school he was a tight end in seven man high school football. Small school didn't play a ton of games. Missed the sat out cuz of covid. And then, you know, was was thrown into this thing. And, you know, if he could show any marginal improvement in pass protection, that's that's massive. So I'm not overly concerned. You know, the concern obviously is with injury, because the second, you know, someone goes down, you're relying on David and You're yep. relying on Cody Ford and you'd have to kind of start playing musical chairs.
1: Do you think this could be himself. a revival for Cody Ford? I mean, this is kind of his last chance, really, isn't it?
2: I've, I, I, I was such a loud Cody Ford supporter last off season. And I think, I mean, there's, there's obviously something there. Aaron Cromer is a guy who, you know, has worked wonder on offensive linemen before um, he tends to work more athletic offensive linemen. Is not necessarily what Cody Ford is? Mm. Um, you know, and I don't know what it is with Cody. Ford. I don't know if it's been an effort thing. I don't know how much of it's been, you know, he just had been a fit thing or if he just, doesn't have the skills that translate. You know, if there's anyone I believe who could do it, it's an all, you know, it's the Bills did what, you know, the Bills eliminated the variable. You know, I, yep. I don't think there was a lot of people who loved Bobby Johnson. So they went out and they upgraded the position. So, you know, they're eliminating that variable yep. excuse. So I think if there's anyone who's going to do it, it's going to be a guy like Aaron Krober.
1: Yeah. Fingers crossed. It would be great to just have that backup, that option, that solid, you know, maybe it's a guard, but just a bit more depth. And obviously at the moment he's still cheap labor, which is, which is always good for this, for this team. I just want to switch over to defense for a second. I mean, obviously we're all thrilled with Von Miller. I don't think there's something Tim and I, we weren't expecting uh, that. I, I fully expect him just to say the Rams, um, you know, He's he's obviously getting on a little bit than he is, but he still seems very athletic. And you can tell from the reports coming out of training camp that the people that are used to watching these guys, they can tell he's different. You know, he's a a different level. But it's just interesting. He's quite different in style to the normal Bills defensive end that we've seen under the McDermott uh, and and Frazier regime. You know, he's a bit more two point stance, a little bit further out. Um, You know, I'm not a defensive line expert far from it, but I just wondering from your perspective, how does that how does that change things uh, for this defensive line? I mean, I'm I'm super excited about the additions into Con Jones as well. I think um, you know this is really going to open up things for Ed Oliver. I'm sure of it. But I just wondered, you know, does that uh, impact this the scheme, the defensive scheme a little bit, having someone like Von Miller who maybe isn't playing that sort of as a traditional Bills defensive end?
2: Well, you you know they had you know the reports in camp. Not that I think he'll do it in season, but there was reports in camp that either today or yesterday he was lining over the guard or the center uh during rotations um so i don't think he's a guy who has who can't play close to the line if they want to you know in, in terms of two-point stance stuff you know I, he's you know maybe if he was a lesser guy you try to change that but he's the second or you know he's the second or third best pass rusher of this generation i think you know he kind of has something that's figured out and i think it's something the bills will be happy to work around i don't think it drastically changes what they do but the one thing i think it will change what they do is i think you'll see a lighter rotation, the fact that he's going to play, you know, a lot of people want us, you know, we we talk about the defensive line rotation. That's something that's kind of been an irk to some Bills fans. The fact that guys don't always stay on the field that long. And Von Miller has been on record saying he likes to play a lot. And I did an article, one of my first articles for cover one, was looking at guys McDermott's had in the past that have been top tier pass rushers. And he's had, he's had three really good pass rushers in the past. He's had Trent Cole when he was in Philadelphia as a coordinator and then Charles Johnson and Greg Hardy in Carolina. And those are all guys who played, you were 10 second year guys, 15 second year guys who played 80, 85% of the snaps at times. So I think we're going to see a lighter rotation, at least on his side of the ball. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe if a game gets out of hand or. They save him for the four forwards the fourth quarter. But I think the one thing that is changed, I think the net rotation, the amount that they rotate, uh, at least with specifically Von Miller and maybe Greg Rousseau, if they if they get a good rhythm going and then and they match up well. You know, I think there may be less snaps for guys like um, yeah. Carlos Basham and, and AJ Epinesa.
1: I think the time to rotate him is when we're like twenty points up against the Jets, right? That's yes. when we don't want to see him on the field.
2: <laughs> Make yeah. sure
1: he's fit for the playoffs, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, we're hearing great things about AJ Panester in camp. I'm always a little bit cautious about absorbing too much. You know, you got to wait and see it. Um, we were excited about him in that that Dolphins game earlier last season, and uh, and then he sort of drifted off. But yeah, you know, if, if if just one of or two of these uh, these defensive ends come off, then we're going to have some uh, some pretty exciting uh, defensive line play. So yeah, um, definitely. If, yeah. sure. you're just going to, you mentioned Bernard and I think Tim wants to talk to you a little bit about, about Bernard yeah. as well, but just before we get into the specifics of that play, do you think that, you know, that, I was kind of interested in the mentality in drafting Bernard. I mean, Tim and I were not happy on draft night, it's fair to say. We were <laughs> like, what, where, how is he getting snaps on this field? Um, you know, where does he fit? He's not an AJ Klein really replacement. You know, what is he? Is he is he somebody they want to turn into a strong safety or whatever? But there's something in like the mentality. What do you think motivated them to 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 draft a play like that? Is it is it that they see, you know, more tight two tight end sets being played against something like the Patriots? There's obviously some kind of some there's a picture in their mind they have, I think. And I'm wondering what you what you what did you, well firstly, what did you think on draft night when they drafted him? And and it, can you see that Um, that logic about why they would have done it? Or are we just still guessing at the moment?
2: I mean, I, I, at the time I'll admit, I, you know, I I thought it was kind of a weird pick. I don't know. You know, I I think linebackers are becoming not extinct, but I think the importance of linebackers is slowly diminishing with, with the way football is being played. But, you know, I think one thing to remember is, you know, like a lot of things in life, it's not always what you know, it's who, you know, Dave Aranda, the Baylor head coach and Sean McDermott really close friends really close uh profession you know have a really close professional relationship um so i, I think that's part of it, you know if that that absolutely plays into the question there and terrell bernard is a big character guy big process guy um you know you go back and look at any of his draft stuff a lot of it just talks about he's a film junkie he's a gym you know he he's a gym rat all that stuff so i think that's a big that's a part of it and i think the other part kind of like i i mentioned before i think it's just being able to play different fronts you know we love I love Teron Johnson probably more than the next guy but if you can put your defense in situations where you can put an extra linebacker out there on rundowns and not sacrifice not sacrifice something in coverage because he can cut you know he he can coverage he's not you know he's not uh he shouldn't let me back up he shouldn't be the he doesn't project to be the problem in coverage that AJ Klein was he he can run with tight ends, or he projects to be able to run with tight ends. He did it in college. So I think that's part of it is just being able to put out different fronts and not just have to run out Taron Johnson there who, you know, can tackle well, but you know, he's he undersized. So being able to just do different things and, you know, you put in, you know, there's, I forgot what the website is. Eric, uh, cover one brought this up. If you put him into some, some, uh, player comp machines, his comp comes back as Matt Milano.
0: So I was just thinking about Bernard specifically So he said like, you know, a lot of the traits That he had, you know, physically um, You know, he profiles as a Matt Milano um, I was just going to say In that case, do you see them work both like Playing together? Um, like in a free linebacker set, or even if I was thinking Tremaine Edmonds has has missed a few games over the last few seasons, he missed two last season. Do you think Matt Milano and Tyrell Bernard could both work and fill in for him? Like, who do you see as like the Mike as the middle linebacker in the events that uh, Tremaine Edmonds was to miss a game?
2: Yeah, you know, that's a that's a really good question. You know, I, I think Matt Milano probably ha- has an ability to do that. You know, when when Edmonds and Milano were both out, we saw Jahan uh we saw Jahan down. Oh my god, that's a Penn State guy. <laughs> we saw Tyrell Dotson, yeah uh, step up. That was two years ago, but we saw Terrell Dotson step up. You know, I think they're a guy you can Put both put on the field, and in terms of three linebackers, I think that's exactly why they got him. right. You know, and once again, we, we remember McDermott as like we think about McDermott as a guy who only runs nickels. We forget that we had his first three years, we had Lorenzo Alexander, right? And mm-hmm. Lorenzo Alexander was on the field a ton, and they had a role for for Lorenzo Alexander. So McDermott has been flexible with his scheme before. He's found you know Lorenzo Alexander is not a comp for Terrell Bernard, but he was kind nah. of a unique, funky player who's done a couple of different things over the course of career that he found a role and he found a a productive role for him. So I think, you know, you, you come to teams, you know, the bills got gashed in the run line. That was a big storyline last year. They kept, you know, the, the Colts game, you know, the Patriots game, getting gashed, gashed, gashed in the run. So now you can put in, you know, if a team is coming out in a run set, you can put Bernard uh, Edmonds and Milano out there and not necessarily be caught on your heels if they go out and, and, and throw out of heavy sets. Mm. So I think that everything you said, I think is a possibility. And, you know, obviously if Edmund goes down, you know, I don't know if there's on the Ross thinking through the linebacker. I don't know if there's a, you know, uh, someone who's, you know, it's a prototypical who yeah, can, yeah, it's slide prototypical. in yeah. and no, yeah. I like a good... is it? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Please know. <no. laughs> uh, yeah. yeah no. I don't think, I don't think there's a prototypical guy that, you know, I, it, my gut says they would probably just go with Milano and, and, and uh, Bernard or Monolano and Dotson, or mm. Milano and Dotson, and whoever ended up winning that other spot. Um, but I think it just, once again, the, the kind of the thing that we talked about, just, it makes them more versatile, allows them to do just more different things and make it harder on offenses.
1: And we know that they wanted Kyle Duggar you know, a couple of seasons ago, so they, they've, they've been trying to get more versatile, haven't they?
2: Yeah, and you, and you look at what John McDermott had in Carolina. He had Jack Thompson, who was kind of a player – like that and uh eric turner again has done much better film i i i, I can write a lot i, I can break down the, i can't do film eric turner does really great film and he kind of he's done stuff looking how shack thompson was used and how mcdermott did that in carolina so he has experience kind of using these tweener linebacker safety guys in uh unique ways that that you know can stress offenses
0: Mm. And that's the thing. I think we're only talking about Terrell Bernard and his role as much Is because he was, you, you know, they used a premium pick on him, you know, pick 89, third round pick. You always expect. A third-round pick to have a meaningful role, not necessarily in his rookie year, but definitely in his sophomore year. So I think not only the high draft pick, but the skill set as well. I think we're all just trying to trying to gauge exactly what uh, McDermott's plan is with him. So now that'd be uh, interesting to see how that plays out uh, during the season. So other than the Bills winning the Super Bowl, then like watch the main like thing that you're hoping to see from this team. Like what are your expectations for the Bills this season?
2: I, I want development you know at the same you know last year I cut my, my thing last offseason was we're banking on development and AJ and didn't really develop and you know we saw some guys not you know Edmonds didn't quite develop you know I'm, I'm still an Edmonds fan but still even you know hasn't developed the way that I think even his biggest supporters have liked to see him develop so I think just development of players they've drafted right I want to see Ed take another step from what he took last year I want to see Greg Russo take a step, be a guy who can be legitimate number two, had a great rookie season, see him build on that. Either Boogie or AJ Vanessa, one of them step up and be able to become a productive rotational defensive end. Um, I want to just see some of these guys that they've drafted really develop. You know, Gabe Davis is a guy who, you know, I think the height, you know, I, well, the last taste in our mouth is that is the AFC championship game, but he's not a guy who had a ton of production last year. And, you know, he was losing reps to, you know, Emmanuel Sanders early on, a guy who can be productive, get his catch rate up. You know, I think one of the things that's kind of that we forget is, he know, his catch rate is, is in the bottom half of the league. Not that a, he's still been a great, he's developed, he's made a lot of big time catches for this team, you know, be a more consistent catch beat, maybe consistent catch is not the right word, but just get his catch rate up, being able to produce consistently, play on the field consistently so the big word for me is just development from these draft picks. These guys, they drafted that are, you said it, the word earlier, cheap labor, this cheap labor to see if they can get, you know, cause so many of these guys are at high value positions, edge rusher Spencer Brown at right tackle. These are premium positions. If you can get, you know, starter to above starter type production out of them, that is such an immense surplus value. Yeah. No,
0: that's great. It'd be, are, are you fully on the Gabe Davis hype train? Like that's been going all off season and especially leading into training camp the reports that he's, he's bigger and he's faster at all of this. I, I, I found myself even getting on the hype train. Like, where are you on that? Are you like completely I, I on board?
2: Gabe. I love Gabe Davis. I think, I think there's, I think people who say he's going to get 1100 yards. Well, I think that's a little, you know, I, I think a good 800, 900 yeah. yard season is really good. You know, I, I, as a, you know, the same kind of things he was doing towards the end of last year, I think he can absolutely be a solid number two. And I'm not, I I think a little of the hype got carried out away, but I think he can be a very good long-term, you know, NFL receiver um, for the Bills. So I think he can absolutely have a very solid year, you know, especially because the last two years, he hasn't necessarily seen starter reps the entire season. So a whole year with starter reps, I think is, yeah is very exciting to see.
1: I want to see him against cornerback twos. I, I have confidence in him yeah. cause just because he works so damn hard. You know, you can tell that he, he wants this. And we see the Bills time and again, they pick character. You know, they pick people who are going to commit to what they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, Brandon Bean was talking about he, he didn't even take a day off. You know, this guy just just works and works and works. And that's that's a great sign. But also it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the slot, right? And what kind of um, cornerbacks they, they drag and drag to there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, last season he was, Beasley was probably not as productive as we'd seen him previously, um, and uh, you know that opened up some opportunities for for Gabe Davis. And well, I think the slot the slot contest is fascinating, right? I mean, we have we have Mackenzie tearing it up. I, I didn't see that coming, if I'm honest. We have um, Jameson Crowder just back from injury, and we also have um, uh, Khalil Shakir, who I was pretty excited about also contributing. And all all, all you know, all three interesting options. Mm. Yeah.
0: And then on the flip side then, like, what's your biggest concern going into the season? Is it, I don't know, the offensive line in terms of what we've seen at the moment, you know, there's a few injury problems and are you concerned about the depth at all? Or is it, you know, could possibly be kick and pump returner just because that's a position that's not solidified? I saw the training camp reports today. I think there's five position, five players like trying out for kick return, including James Cook now. Like, what's your biggest concern going into the season?
2: You know, a big thing to start of the year for me is going to be cornerback you know Trey White isn't ready to yeah. go and like I don't think they need to rush him back right away but you know if he doesn't come back right away it's Kiara Elam and Dane Jackson and Dane Jackson who you know I don't know who's quarterback one who sees all the the wide receiver ones but Kiara Elam having a nice camp you know reports that you know they've had to put boxing gloves on him because he's getting grabby and, you know, cornerback, you know, I think we were spoiled by the last time we had the start of rookie was Trey and he was, should have been defensive rookie of the year. And he was one of the best cornerbacks in the league as a rookie. I think we were kind of spoiled by that. And, you know, remember that rookie cornerbacks, even ones that go on to be really, really good, a lot of times struggle in their first year and struggle in big ways. So, you know, if we're rolling out there in week one against Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup with. Kiari Elam and Dane Jackson, that's something that could be, or, you know, they, they say, you know, Christian Benford is getting first team reps now, you know, whatever, whatever the formation is, you know, that can be something that's problematic. And I think punt return is a really good one. <laughs> Anyone who follows me know I've been critical of the idea of Isaiah McKenzie as a punt returner. Um, I'm glad to see he's doing well as a receiver, but he's a guy who's had the job taken from twice now, mid season when he first came in and last year. So that's obviously something that's concerning and i think you hit the nail on the head that you know it, it really takes it takes one injury to kind of derail everything and you you look at the offensive line and you know you lose you know dawkins has had incredible luck but you know the more you play the longer you play you know the longer you, you know the higher likelihood of something happening and missing some time and you know one injury along that offensive line and everyone has you know i i one of the I have with this staff over the past couple of years, is how they love to play musical chairs as soon as someone goes down, as opposed to just swapping someone in. So, you know, if someone goes down, if a tackle goes down, they move Cuisenberry and they move someone in the guard and whatever it ends up being. I just think, you know, I think of any team, but I think this team, if they start losing guys along the offensive line, that could be a real quick uh, ticket for disaster.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating yeah. when you, you want, use one guy and then you move three 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 dudes around. I mean, it's like, of course, that's going to mess mess up the rhythm. It just, it's just frustrating. And I, I was really keen on them drafting a, a guard pretty high in this last draft, and of course it didn't happen because um, I just see this depth problem, and it's, it's the same every year. Well, I, one final question for you, Ryan, and thank you ever so much for coming on. But there's my final question. Given the fact you're not a bar guy, you live in Connecticut, the Bills are going to get to the Super Bowl uh, this season, what do you do? How do you spend that, that Super Bowl night? <sighs>
2: i how I spent the Super Bowl night probably we'll probably have uh uh some friends over like I said my, uh one, yeah. one, one of the nice things about where we live I was talking we were talking offline before this we live uh where my fiance works so we're surrounded by a lot of her friends and co-workers we had a party this year probably be a party next year I don't know I I, I don't know how I would be on the day of the bills <laughs> Super Bowl but right. <laughs> I think I would probably just this year I spent it making a bunch of food I think I would spend the whole day kind of nervous cooking nervous eating. Um, and then <laughs> I told myself, I hope they're not listening. If the Bills do win a Super Bowl, I'm taking a sick day, and I will be oh, yeah. in Buffalo for the parade. <laughs>
0: I, I I think if we made a Super Bowl, I don't know how I'd try and just waste for two weeks between you know winning the That's AFC the Championship and getting to the Drink Super Bowl. King. You know, two weeks is such a long time, isn't it? I don't know what I'd do. It, just,
2: just the just the week in between. Just the week in between the playoffs is yeah. is. is Enough. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know how I would uh it would be it would be I think I would put on a lot of wakes that would do a lot of, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a big nervous eater so I yeah. think, that, I, think that, I think that would be my my crutch there.
1: Awesome, awesome, Ryan. Remind everybody where they can where they can read your work and where they can find you.
2: Yeah, find me on Twitter. My tag is at Sports Rock Two um, under Sports Rock uh, Cover One. Go on to the Cover One so much great stuff going out there at cover one great articles being written almost every day. Great video content. Um, we just launched our one pass. It's $57 for the year, but you get so much stuff, guys. Greg is making a uh, little, you know, what salary cap, 101 clips and, a lot of just awesome, awesome, awesome stuff out there. So follow everyone over at cover one. Um, yeah, the
1: really, great, great, great collection stuff. of guys and incredible uh work that they put in. I mean the just the content they churn out every day is just phenomenal. So yeah, highly yeah, yeah, recommend it. Now, it really thank is.
2: you guys so much for having me on. It's so cool, you know, you know, just being able to talk, you know, I got like I said, I got into this just as a hobby and now I'm talking from, you know, to people from the uk about bills and i've been a lot of you know just cool people through here and this has been a really cool experience listening you know even talking offline with you guys how you became bills fans and, and the experience of football fans over there so yeah this is really really cool so thank you uh,
1: you are welcome anytime no worries. I, if the bills come over to london you will have to come down come over yes, we also yes. have our backers pubs you're passing through the uk you'll have to meet, meet us there so thanks again uh ryan pleasure to have you on you but welcome back anytime
2: awesome awesome thank you
1: so thanks again to uh, Ryan for joining us from Cover One. Great to hear him and his uh, his view on how the Bills are shaping up going into 2022. If you want to get in touch with us, please do so. We are on BillsFromFar at gmail.com, billsfromfire at Twitter, or I am Charlie underscore sports. He is Tim rudge 90 Until next time,
0: go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>